Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Aw, this week's episode, it's no more Game of Thrones for Star Wars. HBO Max stakes its claim and do we finally have an understanding of Death Stranding? All this and more as we reach our next stop the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friends. We got, first off, the man himself scaring up a Halloween fancy. It's our good friend, Mr. Jamie Monroy, a.k.a. Degenerate08. What's up, man? Happy Halloween, everybody. How's it going? All right. It's going great, man. It's going great. I mean, this will be played after, you know, the actual you know, itself. I can so. still wish them happy Halloween. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hope everybody was party. safe. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I hope everybody had a safe and happy Halloween. But This is true. Yes. Diabetic comas around the world. Oh, my goodness. And then some. But also is here as well. It wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend, He's our own Josh the Mighty and something else. I couldn't read off all the way off the screen there of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out everything that he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, and also his great book, Congratulations, You Suck, which is available today. It is my good friend. It is Josh the Mighty. What's up, man? Hey, I just want to go back to where you said, will we finally understand Death Stranding? And I want you to change understand to, will we finally understand Death Stranding? Ooh, oh, nice. the pun Thank master's you. back. I know. I've been wanting to say that for like five minutes now, so you're welcome. I can see it in his face. <laughs> well, the anticipation was there, and you know what? We are going to be talking a little bit later on about Death Stranding because there was a umpteen minute trailer which is the launch trailer for death stranding it did come out this week and we watched it and we have thoughts on it plus does this long trailer that kojima just presented out there to the world does it make us want to buy death stranding even more we're going to talk about that later on in the episode plus also as well hbo max had been announced and it's going to be live come may 2020 we're going to talk about some of the major particulars that were talked about during the press conference that was made for HBO Max. Is it going to be a reality for us as far as an option 
when it comes out next May for us to go ahead and get it as far as a streaming option. We're going to talk about that if it's more viable for us than, let's say, Disney Plus or Netflix. Plus also as well, Jamie has a review coming up later in the show of Frostpunk. I have a review of Helm Audio's True Wireless 5.0, or in other words, their TWS5. I've got a review of those great wireless earbuds coming up later in the show. Plus also as well, we're going to be talking about the Game of Thrones writers. They left the nice encompassing family of Star Wars. Wouldn't be the first time Star Wars ditched somebody or wouldn't be the first time somebody ditched Star Wars as well. So we're going to talk about the Game of Thrones writers leaving Star Wars. So what does that leave us with? We're going to talk about that coming up later in the show as well. But first, my friends, it is Terminator Dark Fate. Hasta la vista, baby. It's here. He's back. It's Arnie Schwarzenegger also as well, Linda Hamilton. They're back with the franchise once again. It is Terminator Dark Fate heading to theaters this weekend. Not only worldwide, it's already out and available, but here in the States, this weekend is targeting about 40 to $45 million for a domestic haul this weekend, which is okay. But I'm not sure if that's going to be enough for the series to actually be jump-started and kick-started back into another series of Terminator films. This one is overseen, being overseen for the first time since T2. It's not directing it, but it does have James Cameron's handprints all over the picture this time. So it does have its imprint into the series once again. So I ask you guys, I'm going to start with you, Jamie. What are your thoughts on Terminator Dark Fate now that it, James Cameron is back into it? Arnold Schwarzenegger, well, he's been into it before, even when it was bad over the course of the past three movies. But he's involved in it. Linda Hamilton is back into it. Does this get you excited again about being part of the Terminator franchise? It does. I am excited about seeing, you know, Lynn Hamilton, everybody go back to where they, you know, started per se and kind of get back into the swing of things. But at the same time, it worries me only because is this just a let's push the big guys back into it and cross our fingers and hope for a big cash grab. That's what I'm worried about. I'd say I'm excited. Well, Josh, do you still have any thoughts as far as maybe leaning into that direction? Or are you still just way off the fence when it comes to Terminator Dark Fate? Here's here's my, where I stand currently on that. Like, I, I love that it's getting good reviews. And I love that people are saying it's, you know, a step back. It's a step forward for the Terminator franchise. But also, like, everyone's saying it's too much or too, yeah, too much too late or too little too late. I think that's the saying. They're saying that it's not... It's if this were to come out, you know, back when Terminator 3 came out, then the franchise might still be doing really well today. But because it came out today and a- after the Terminator name has been dragged through the mud so many times, it's really good. But it doesn't do the job of getting people drawn back into the franchise or pulling new people into the franchise. So where I stand, I want like I'm going to go see it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go see it. I'm going to watch it when it comes out, when it's some something that like I can watch from the comfort of my couch, but it's not something I'm going to run to the movie theaters to watch. And it just goes without saying that a lot of other people, I think, will be feeling those same feelings. In fact, myself, because I'm not going to go ahead and spend the money up front for the Terminator franchise unless I maybe see it at a discount, maybe a matinee, or maybe just wait until it gets to the streaming market because of the fact that the last three Terminator films have really been atrocious. And it, there's just no excuse. And I think that's why the estimates are rather low for a film that 
on the surface should be getting a lot of good buzz, should be getting enough buzz to generate a lot of income. And unfortunately, that's not the case because there's so much ill will that was created by these last three trashy films in the series that it's great that they want to just go ahead and wipe them clean and just try to revert back to T2. And that's great that the critics think that this is the best film since T2. But unfortunately, to the viewing audience out there, they can't just unsee what they saw earlier this century with those three lousy films. So, Jamie, I, I appreciate your your vigor and interest in going to see Terminator Dark Fate up front. But you got to admit, you cannot fault Josh or I for having a bad taste in our mouth that we really just can't can't quite clean out of there just yet when it comes to the Terminator franchise. No, not at all. See, I should have explained myself more. You kind of hit on it when you said, well, maybe at a bargain. The reason I'm excited, I'm an A-lister. So I pay $20 a month to see three movies every week. So I would burn a movie to go see it. There's the the excitement of not having to worry about, you know, oh, am I going to spend 15 bucks to go see this and it's going to suck? Okay, well, I get that. And I understand that. And that's great that you get that deal and you're going to spend what are your allotted three to go ahead and do that. But for the rest of us that don't have those options, and of course, movie pass has long since died, rest in peace, although they're trying to resurrect it, but to really not have no avail at this point, because they just, you know, the hell they do is just keep trying to charge people. They're not actually going ahead and try and be in service, but that's another story in and of itself. But when you're talking Terminator Dark Fate, it's something where the past sins can't make up for the fact that it's now could be a decent franchise going forward. And that's a question I'm going to throw to both of you right now. And that is this because of Terminator dark fate going to be doing maybe okay at best overall, not only domestically, but internationally, internationally, they may be more forgiving as far as the audience is concerned. They may be more forgiving to this type of movie and it may actually earn maybe break-even type money or even a profit because of the international love that it may get. So I ask you, do you think that this film, Terminator Dark Fate, will lead to more in the franchise as has been promised by producer James Cameron? Probably. If it does well enough, I assume that they will make more because it's already an established franchise. So at this point, if Terminator Dark Fate is profitable then it's not really going to harm them to do another movie and see if the, you know, the fire can be struck twice. That being said though, like how many, you know, with predator, look at predator, right? We're on what the fifth movie, fifth or sixth film. I've lost track. I and they're like the quality, the, the reception of them are going down each time. So how many movies, and it's not because they're bad movies. You watch a predator movie and you get a predator movie, right? You know what you expect, what you're going to well, get. when you That go was into owned that. by Disney. So, Right. Well, yeah, but I mean, it could you know, be going in the coffers for quite some time. Yes, but but look, like with Terminator, though, you have to ask yourself with a franchise. You, you see it now with uh, with Star Wars and some people with Marvel. Like, how many movies is too many movies? How many movies will you make until you hit that tipping point where people just don't want to watch it anymore and they don't care? Yeah, it was a well, is a fun ride to go. Maybe it is a fun ride to go back to the Terminator franchise after all these years. But is it a ride? that people want to keep going back to over and over and over again. That's the big question that people should be asking before they make another one of these. Uh, that's true. That's true. And Jamie, what are your thoughts on the longevity of the series or the revival of the series with Terminator Dark Fate? Do you see it happening? 
because I know there's a lot of questions on the future. And of course, if it only does 40 to 50 million domestically for something that is essentially a big budget film, mind you, it's not a Marvel $200 million film, but it's still a film that costs a you know, a chunk of change, 100 to $120 million, probably to, uh, as far as a production budget is concerned. So you're still talking quite a bit go, you know, out the door before it breaks even. So I want to ask you, do you think that Terminator Dark Fate could lead to more in the Terminator franchise? Or do you think it's time that they will finally leave it alone for at least, or say hasta la vista, baby, for at least a little while? Well, the fan in me wants to say it's going to go forward because obviously it's been going forward now, even though it's been struggling, crawling, gripping its way over. But I do see where both of you are coming from and a lot of everybody else are coming from. To be, don't get me wrong with the excitement part. It, it, I am at that point also where uh, with a lot of things where when is overkill, overkill. And... We might, they might pull in some new people that said, you know, maybe after the last couple of Terminators said, oh, and then they come back and go, eh, I'll give it a shot. But how many, I agree with Josh, how many times can you keep force feeding something before somebody goes, I've had enough. I don't want to try it anymore. And I hate to say it, but I think you might have hit the nail on the head when you said, is it time for them to say hasta la vista, baby, and just watch that thumb go down? Well, I'm going to say this right now. I think that this will not be the last in the Terminator franchise ever whether or not it's going to be the last in the terminator franchise as far as this series of iterations after dark fate we'll have to wait and see i think possibly if it does get a lot of returns on the international front i think you will see a green light for another one maybe three years down the line so to speak uh maybe may or may not include arnold schwarzenegger or, or linda hamilton we'll have to wait and see on that as well but if it does earn a chunk of change on the international front, that could be a sign that at least the Terminator franchise is not going to say hasta la vista, baby, anytime soon, and that it will be back for at least a little while longer. What are your thoughts out there on Terminator Dark Fate? Are you heading to the theaters to see it this weekend? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Plus also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friends, the Star Wars universe keeps going in so many different directions. The latest news this week was the Game of Thrones writers saying, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, hasta la vista, baby, to the Star Wars franchise. So the planned trilogy that they were in actually starting in and starting to create and some stuff for and starting to do some things with is out the window at this point. And I want to hear your thoughts. Is this a good thing or a bad thing for the Star Wars universe? Jamie, I'm going to start with you. I feel a little worrisome about it. I feel like the Star Wars franchise has done well, but also has had its struggles. And this might be a hurdle that kind of might hurt them. You know, it might bring them down like one of the horses at Santa Anita. I'm not sure, though. I mean, honestly, I'd, I'd hate to see that. But this was something that a lot of people got really behind. Like, wow, 
we got Game of Thrones writers doing this. This is going to be epic. And then the epicness just gets cut and everyone goes, whoa, what, what just happened? But is it truly fully out the window? Could we get, you know, you said like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Asla Vista, he also said, I'll be back. I'm not sure that's going to be the case because usually once you're out of the Star Wars franchise, you are out. Talk to all the directors, like for instance, Rogue One during the production value when uh, during the production of the movie, when they kicked out the director of that movie. Once you're out of the Star Wars franchise, look at uh, the, the creators of the Lego movie when they were kicked out of Solo. So when you're out of the Star Wars franchise, you are out. Josh, I want to hear your thoughts. Is the, well, the loss of David Benioff and D.B. Weiss from Game of Thrones, which is what they're best known for, is this going to be something that in the long run will definitely hurt or help the Star Wars franchise? Well, it'll hurt it for sure, because look, what this shows is that everybody knows now that Disney, all they care about with Star Wars is recipes, right? Which it surprises me that they were able to venture so far outside of the recipe with Rian Johnson, but it's also doesn't surprise me because he used a different, he didn't use a Star Wars recipes, like a Pirates of the Caribbean recipe. So you said with Rogue One, right? Gareth Edwards, like, I think he's a phenomenal filmmaker. I've loved everything that he has ever made just because he has such a unique vision when it comes to sci-fi films and just the way the cinematography is, the way the, the color palettes he uses. I love everything that he makes. And from what I understand with Rogue One was Disney didn't like the dark tone the film had. So I imagine it's a similar situation with, with uh, David Benioff and D.B. Wise was the fact that they're probably pitching this much darker take on Star Wars to to Disney. And Disney doesn't want anything to do with that because they want to be able to sell merchandise. They want to sell action figures. They want to sell T-shirts to little kids. Like They don't want the people who grew up with Star Wars to have a Star Wars, it seems like, that has grown with them. And so they want to stick to the same thing over and over and over again and what that does is bring me a lot of concern because all we have left now all we have to look forward to is Rian Johnson and while I'm excited about like the Obi-Wan stuff and the Mandalorian on Disney Plus it really concerns me as far as like the movies goes that like they're never even if they were to come you know hire some director you know Guy Ritchie or Guillermo del Toro whoever it might be to take up the mantle after you know Rian Johnson's possible garbage shoots come out who's to say that they won't create a movie that'll get the backhand from Disney as well. It's it's it, it, this feels very much to me, like one of those situations where Warner brothers, right. They have the reins held so tight over like their superhero universe that a lot of directors don't even want to touch it anymore because they're not directing the film. Disney's directing their name is just attached to it. Same thing with David Fincher with alien three, right? Like they had their hands so far into that franchise that David Fincher was, he did, wasn't even able to do any directing. So it just makes me feel like it's going to become one of those things where creativity is completely locked out of the franchise because Disney has something very specific in mind that they want to do. I'll tell you right now, my friend, there's one elephant in the room we have not talked about when it concerns this situation as far as the Game of Thrones writers being kicked out or leaving themselves out, I should say, them leaving the Star Wars franchise when it concerns David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. And that is this. We mentioned on an episode a couple weeks ago that there is a new hand that wants some time in the Star Wars universe. And that is Kevin Feige, who would love a chance and is probably going to get a chance to produce a Star Wars movie and or possible trilogy at some point in time down the road. 
So I know a lot of people are just like squeamish right now when it concerns Rian Johnson having the only visible or talked about trilogy at this point in time when it concerns the future of the Star Wars movies that would be coming out after Episode Nine, The Rise of Skywalker. But I'm telling you right now, when Kevin Feige was announced as being now somewhat, to an extent, a part of the Star Wars universe as far as producing something, I think he'll have something in mind that's not relating to Rian Johnson's movie and or trilogy. I think he has something else in mind that maybe, hopefully, that everybody at Lucasfilm will eventually go for in lieu of, maybe ahead of, Rian Johnson's trilogy. And that's what I'm hoping right now for. And I know a lot of other people as well because of such mixed reactions when it comes to The Last Jedi. I was like, whew. You know, I was kind of worried when it came to the Game of Thrones writers leaving, but when it concerns also as well, you got to think, what is Kevin Feige going to work on? I don't think he would work on Rian Johnson's. I think he would work on something else of his own or something else that he would help create and bring to life in, within the Star Wars universe. Jamie? Wow. That was a lot. That I agree with that, though. I think it would be great for him to get in there. Ugh. But the, I don't know. I still feel like I agree, Josh. That's a hard thing for them to get past. I think they. I feel Not like, like he has enough on his ball. plate already. You know. Well, I think he likes it that way. Obviously, that's how he gets his best work. If you notice, everything Josh said hits right at home, though. That's going to be a hard one. I think a lot of people got way excited, and then you just broke a lot of hearts. How do you come back from that? And to me, why I agree, it, was it because of a darker tone? And why they knew. Star Wars was going into a darker tone when they got it. So they knew what they were getting themselves into. Well, I also think that the retconning of what everything was within The Force Awakens, that he just took J.J. Abrams stuff and whatever was in there and tried to retcon the whole thing, I think that was something that made a lot of people angry. I know that's a sore spot for a lot of individuals out there that watched The Last Jedi. And I know with Josh, he was not thrilled at all with The Last Jedi. I know I had like all over the place. I thought... It was really bad, and it was pretty good as well. But I think for the most part, it just meant to an average movie at best, which is pretty much my sentiment as far as the most recent films in the Star Wars series. But with Rian Johnson, I don't have a whole lot of faith in what he can put out there because there's so much fan backlash. And we're going to see what the ramifications of that are if The Rise of Skywalker doesn't perform economically at a level that it should. If it is, does not reach the heights or higher of Star Wars of Force Awakens, and that means $2 billion plus, then I can squarely point the finger at The Last Jedi being the culprit. But before we head on out to another topic, I want to ask you this, Josh. Your thoughts on the possibility of maybe bringing in someone new. And if you did, who would you love to bring into the Star Wars universe now that the Game of Thrones writers have said, See ya, don't want to be ya. I would love to see, since they're doing the Mandalorian and they're doing like a more street version of Star Wars, I'd love to see a Guy Ritchie take on that world with the fast cuts and the quips that he always has in his films. Would love to see that. If, if they do the time before the Jedi, I forget, there's a series of books on If they do that route, I'd love to see Guillermo del Toro because there's a lot of creatures in that line of mythology and Guillermo del Toro is the master of making monsters. And what about you, Jamie? If the force is good and wants to go ahead and allow other people within the star Wars universe, 
who would you think might be a good suggestion for the Star Wars universe? I'm probably going to get killed for this one, <laughs> but I honestly wouldn't mind seeing a James Gunn take on a Star Wars franchise somewhere in there. I have to agree with Josh, Guy Ritchie, the, the fast cuts, everything like that. I think that'd be ultimate. Ooh, to come up with a third, I really don't know. Well, no, it doesn't have to be a third. Just your, Those are your good suggestions. Yeah, those are, those are my picks. What do you guys think about Kevin Smith Ooh, for a Star Wars film? I didn't even think of that. He's never helmed that large of a scale film, but I think he has it in him to go ahead and do it just because of his sheer love for the franchise. Yeah. yeah. Good call. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the third one I was trying to think of. Oh, man. that See, I knew the one he forgot was going to be the best one, too. I could feel it. Oh, there you go. There you go. There's also other good possibilities of, of the Russo brothers might be a good option now that they don't have as much to do on their plate as far as Marvel movies. Ryan Coogler, he could also be, you know, after Black Panther 2, could have some time on his hands to help create something within the Star Wars universe. There are a lot of gifted and talented individuals that are out there, especially within that Marvel Disney love fest that goes on right there, that Marvel Disney Star Wars love fest thing going on. You see Star Wars right there. Yeah, 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 and all that. <laughs> but I tell you this, my friends, it is a time for interest within the Star Wars franchise because not only you have Episode Nine coming out, but the future is now very much in limbo with the only real thing that we know of that could possibly still be in development is Rian Johnson's trilogy that is still hasn't been canceled, hasn't been talked about much, but is still, according to our knowledge, the thing that's out there still within the framework of the Star Wars universe, and that the, also that Kevin Feige will be producing something within the Star Wars universe upcoming as well. So those are two signs right there. Hopefully something else will be added in that maybe will appeal to us as an audience even more because we don't actually have that faith in Rian Johnson at this point in time. At least I know you guys don't. I know a lot of other people as well. But we'll have to wait and see what goes on because there is a need of a replacement for the Game of Thrones writers and the fact that D.B. Weiss and David Benioff are no longer associated with the Star Wars universe and then hopefully we'll see a good replacement in their stead take the reins and be able to take this into a galaxy far, far away. What are your thoughts out there on the leaving of the Game of Thrones writers from the Star Wars universe? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Guys, I wanted to ask you real quick, HBO Max had a major announcement of, well, their upcoming prices, when they're coming out. So in May 2020, HBO Max is hitting the airwaves as far as a new streaming service because we don't have enough of them. You know, there's just only so many that we can have. So with Apple Plus, Disney Plus, Netflix, and Hulu, and CBS All Access, my gosh, it's becoming a veritable alphabet soup of different streaming outlets are there. But I know a lot of people, and I know you, Jamie, are very intrigued on this one because of the fact that they did secure the rights for any episodes of South Park as far as the library is concerned and also the shows that run the day after it airs on Comedy Central. And that's going to start again in June 2020, I think about a month after the HBO Max gets up and running. So they purchased it for $500 million just for the domestic rights. So that's an insane chunk of change right there for South Park. And not only that, they got the library of Rick and Morty as well. So among all the other things that they've announced already, I think Friends and I think some other things are coming there as well. 
that are trying to make it more appealing. Obviously, it's stuff from HBO that they're getting and, and stuff also as well from the DC Universe. Is it going to be worth the $14.99 a month that they're asking for when it opens on May 2020? I can tell you right now, my money is going to Disney+. Plus. Just My money no already contest. has. Yeah, so. yeah. There's no contest on that, but $14.99 for some stuff that we can get elsewhere maybe if it told me for a flat out that I'll never see this anywhere else, I might consider it, but I doubt it. I think the only shining star they have going for them is the fact that if you uh, are an AT&T subscriber, you're going to get it for free. How long that remains in question. Now, that's not going to be a permanent thing. I don't think I don't know. Oh, no, not no, at all. I, don't, I, don't I think it's just a, Hey, you know, we need more subscribers. Come over to AT&T and look what we got. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Josh, what are your thoughts on HBO Max? Because I know you paying $14.99 a month for Netflix was not something you enjoyed. And I know it's not something you might enjoy as well, unless they have a whole lot to offer. Is the $14.99 a month price tag, initial price tag, not like Disney when they're opening up, because they're opening up substantially less. Now, eventually I expect them to get to that point. Okay, that's, that's neither here nor there. But the $14.99 a month price tag, is that a little too high and a little too steep for you to be interested in HBO Max services? Yeah, because, I mean, HBO Max has the same programs as, like, HBO, right? Their app. So here, here's the thing. Like, I don't watch a lot of television. Like, I I will watch Rick and Morty sometimes. I'll watch South Park sometimes. But, like, I never go out of my way to watch these shows. So I'd rather just pay for, H, you know, the HBO app or whatever. it, it What's it? Not HBO Go. What's it called? HBO... Well, HBO Go. I mean, that's that's the that's the app that they is have. That the app? Yeah, I'd rather pay like the twelve dollars a month for that app as opposed to the extra two dollars for the fourteen dollars for the HBO Max, just because all I watch is you know I'll, I'll pick a month and I'll watch like whatever new HBO show is on, and then I'll cancel it, and then I'll move on to another subscription service for whatever else I want to watch. And that's just the culture of these streaming services, and that's something that's always going to happen. But I don't see any point in paying an extra $2 for a service that I'm not going to use. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. I was going to say, well, also, isn't HBO also available as an add-on through Hulu, which would be substantially a lot less? And Amazon Prime also. Although you can also bundle ESPN Plus, Hulu, and also Disney Plus as well as a package if you wanted to. Absolutely. So that I, I don't know. That kind of bothers me now that you know that there's other options. We already just named how many different options, a handful, that are substantially less. So where's the big awe, shock and awe to make me do it? Well, I mean, like I said, they're getting friends as far as one of their big cornerstone You've got to watch it every single time. I'll watch the all back episodes like Netflix. Netflix has had that already that footprint of having those cornerstone shows like The Office and Friends. Now that they've been bid out to be leaving Netflix and going on to other platforms, they're trying to follow that same formula, which made Netflix successful. And you're going to see 
more shows money is going to be like it's like monopoly money i mean south park 500 million dollars just for domestic rights Marika morty i don't know that's uh, the price was undisclosed but i'm sure it's a you know severe chunk of change as well this all leads to and what i wanted to ask you guys most when it comes to what was announced during that again 14.99 a month starts in may of next year they're projecting now that they'll get 50 million domestic subscribers and anywhere from 75 to 90 million subscribers around the world by the end of 2025. So I want to ask you, my friends, is this doable? Is this foreseeable for something like HBO Max? If Do you see enough of a menu and a lot of options there that will drive in those kind of numbers? Basically, are they going to be able to get 50 million subscribers domestically and up to 90 million subscribers within five years? No, because for one reason, when Game of Thrones, the the eighth season came out, they severely underestimated how many people were going to get subscriptions and cancel within the first month of that. So because of that, I don't think that they're good enough at math to figure out how many people are going to get the service and stay with the service. And also, none of these streaming services are taking into account, you know, what we just talked about, how people are going to be dropping in and out of these services. So I just don't think that HBO has all the content that it needs to keep people subscribed through more than, you know, one or two months. So I, I say no. Jamie, what are your thoughts? Do you think they can get that large of a subscription fan base? Because if they do so, they're going to have to draw away from Netflix, CBS All Access, Hulu, and of course, Disney Plus and Apple Plus as well. Absolutely not. Just for the simple fact of what we've all just said. I Okay, I'll admit it. Right now, literally 10 minutes before we went on, I couldn't get into the WWE app. So I used my other email, signed up for the free month just so I could watch Crown Jewel. Then I'm going to cancel it. I did the same thing with CBS Access. I did the same thing with another. I mean, it's it's the way the game is played nowadays. And to be honest, their whole thing, throwing a buttload of money at South Park, I think that was just a like jump move because uh oh disney plus has the simpsons what do we do yeah absolutely that's something that could have been a knee-jerk reaction but again there's so much competition that's already out there with amazon prime cbs all access hulu netflix disney plus there's just so many different options out there if there was a time josh and i have spoken about this before where when i was young and i had my black and white tv and i only had the two five seven nine thirteen and channel 56 that i could see on there if i could get my antenna working i would have dreamed of having something all like like this as far as options flash forward so many years later and now i have all those options and now it's just way too much so i don't know i mean i know a lot of people are going to be saying out there well you can't have your cake and eat it too so i guess having these options is great and i like this option better but the fact is, I don't have enough money to go ahead and spread it all around to all these things, to all these shows, to all these channels, and all these streaming outlets. So you have to make choices on when you do your cord cutting and what options that you're going to go ahead and take. So it's going to be some tough choices for some people down the road when it comes to when HBO Max gets on the air. I don't think there's going to be 50 million people by 2025 or 75 to 90 million people that are going to be subscribed to HBO Max by 2025. I think that's a little bit uh, you know, aggressive on their part for thinking that. 
I think that's a lot of talk to shareholders that the shareholders like to hear, but I think reality will set in because the environment and marketplace is so dire at this point in time and is so out there as far as trying to all grab a piece of your money. Whether or not HBO Max gets that money from you, we'll have to wait and see. But come May 2020, you'll have another option in HBO Max. It's up to everyone out there to decide whether or not it's worth it. What are your thoughts out there on HBO Max? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, Jamie, I'm going to tell you right now, it seems like you had a good time playing Frostpunk. You've got a review going up this weekend at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. A great review that was provided by you, and I can't wait to go ahead and show it off to our readers out there on the WordPress site. But I want to hear your thoughts on Frostpunk. Basically, give us a lowdown on the game, maybe some thoughts on it as far as what enticed you to it most and what really just brought it out for you as far as making it such a positive experience for you. Wow, he really built that up, like, I feel like he's lying. He didn't read it. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Well, I saw I saw the good parts already, and I still have to go through it and, and just you know make sure it's, everything's all good and whatnot. But it, like you said, you gave some pretty good thoughts on it from what I was able to ascertain. It was the first time in a long time that I've seen something that I don't even feel should be ever called a port. It was taken from PC, obviously released back in oh, 2018, if I remember correctly. City Builder. Very dark. Very, very dark um, to the point that you are in a apocalyptic version of historical events during the Industrial Revolution. You end up leaving, looking for anything that you can find to try and survive. They end up finding an abandoned generator in a crater and decide to call it home. As long as they can, one, keep the generator going... Two, keep everybody happy. And three, oh, by the way, don't forget, it's all ice and cold and kind of like Vegas right now. And <laughs> just people are dying left and right. You know, you've got frostbite people. You've got, well, you've got, no, not everybody in Vegas is dying left and right. Let's get that out of the way. We're, but we are a little bit chilly. Listen to the people outside. They act like they're dying. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but... Anyways, it's for those of you listening on the audio platform, both Jamie and Gerald have icicles coming out of their noses. So, I mean, you know, use your imagination. You can jump to Christmas right after Halloween. Why can't we? But as you were saying, Jamie, (laughs) you have to look at this game as you're dealing with children. Inevitably, you're raising these people like you're raising children. These people complain every five minutes. I'm hungry, but yet they're the ones that need to build the stuff to make you get food. This sounds like being a middle school teacher, which I am. See, so you get it. (laughs) This is the game for you, Josh. I'm intrigued. When you said people complaining, Like I was like, oh, this sounds like something I do for a living. Yeah. You have hope to worry about, discontent. Trust me, their discontent is a lot more than their hope. How were the controls on it as far as when you were playing it? They did have some small, obviously, because you have to have a little small changes for the UI and what have you from going PC to console, but very smooth. I didn't have any issues with, oh, no, I'm locking up, or, oh, it won't, the camera won't face this way. Camera was smooth. I had really no issues as far as controls and things. Main issue was very hard to keep up with everything if you're not that type of person, and I'm not the city builder person at all. But I just had to take a dive into it because 
It's been so long since I played one. I heard great things about this, so I wanted to try it out. And I'm glad I did, but personally, I'm not the city builder person, so I'm not, like, hard up to, oh, my gosh, every day I must play this game. Not to say that there isn't people that shouldn't or wouldn't, because it's really, it's really a good game, other than I already deal with children enough as it is, like Josh does, so I really don't want to have to keep doing it with these people. <laughs> but you really, you, you literally, it feels like you're raising them. You keep them fed. You keep them sheltered. In the meanwhile, the generator you found, you have to keep that at a certain level. Otherwise, it's going to overheat. Then you're going to run out of heat for everybody. You have to just worry about the fact that if people start dying or get frostbite, the adults can't work. So now you have to make the decision in your book of laws is what they call it, which is basically just your, this is what I said. You're going to do it now. And you could literally make the choice to put kids to work. Can you make choices based on like individual scenarios? Like say you have one guy who's doing something that you don't approve of. Can you say that like, hey, you can't throw a pickaxe at a tree or something and just punish that one guy? Not with my time in it so far. The only thing you really could do. So say this one guy just flat out stopped working. He was running the food pub and he just stopped working. It flat out said this guy's not working anymore. But So I made him go back to his tent because i made him go to sleep and then had to make the decision of do i make a child replace him or do i just let everyone suffer and not have food till he decides he wants to go back to work so this sounds like the industrial revolution happening right here absolutely That's <laughs> no factory laws you can cut their rations if you want to you know it's all good right i mean you're, i'm literally sending children out to go <laughs> mine for coal and just ravaged for stuff and i'm like this is so i felt horrible like i felt like so this is what people when they have a heart and a conscience and they run a sweatshop must feel like okay well that's a pretty uh harsh analogy right there for you but go ahead josh right i'm just gonna say as long as gerald doesn't tag nike in the post we should be okay with this uh yeah don't do that (laughs) i I don't need nike on me i'm just kidding just kidding (laughs) but it sounds like you had a different experience, something that you've been longing for for quite some time when it comes to a city building sim of this nature, as compared to SimCity and some of the other civilizations and and things of that nature, does it compare with it well? And if so, is it something that you would recommend overall to the audience out there? Can I ask a question real quick? So in this one, it sounds like you're, unlike like SimCity and civilization, you're not really dealing with uh, just the the whole idea of building structures and building cities. You're dealing with people though too, right? So it's the whole nine yards. It's, it's like a whole all nine. of that rolled into one. Okay. So how, like, I, I, how do the mechanics work between that? Cause you have two things to keep track of. Now you have to keep track of, are your buildings being upgraded and are your people doing what they're supposed to do? Do they have to work in harmony with each other to make the game go where you need it to go? You kind of want it to, because of the fact that if you have people that are starving, then you have no people getting coal for you, which means now you can't heat the population that's around there as much. So, so you got to factor in everything. Okay, that makes sense. So you have to have people do this. Like you have to have people cutting down trees, right, to build structures and stuff. Okay. Absolutely. That's kind of cool, but also I can see it being a little tedious. It's very nerve-wracking because, like you said, you named off all those things that you had to keep track of, but you forgot to keep back of your head you got to watch your hope and discontent too so overall my friend you think it's a great experience that compares favorably to those major series of civilization and also sim city series 
And overall, what kind of feeling did you have from it as far as, a, you know, just the game overall? I think if you're looking for something outside of Sim City building and everything like that, like, you know, the normal, I'm going to build something that looks like a New York skyscraper and I'm going to build this little hot dog stand. And I'm gonna, If you want something outside of that and you want something that's got more of a mature, dark, very dark tone, then I would definitely go for this. The tone is very dark. I will say that again. There's a reason it's got a mature rating. You'll, if you read my review, you'll see why. But I, I gave it an 8 out of 10 just because it's been so long since I played a City Builder, and this one really impressed me. Once again, that's Frostpunk. Check it out today. It's from the folks at 11-Bit Studios, so I want to give them a shout-out. It is Frostpunk. It got a great review from Jamie. But if you want to read more thoughts from Jamie on this game, that's Frostpunk. And you can see his entire thoughts on it in writing this weekend at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Also at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Before we head to the break, guys, I want to go ahead and share with you and the audience out there the Helm Series 5 wireless earbuds by Helm Audio. I got a chance to play them out for a little while. And already, I'm going to tell you right now, this is some of the best audio experiences I've ever had. You put them in, they fit very snug. They're not going anywhere. It does the sound qualities is for earbuds are sensational. I had a great time so far with it. I cannot give you enough superlatives when it comes to Helm Audio's TWS wireless 5.0 earbuds. Just a great time. I think they're better than the AirPods and all the pods that are out there. I think they're a great time indeed as far as what they do, how they match up, how they pair up to not only themselves, but how easily they pair up to whatever Bluetooth wireless device that you want to go ahead and listen to it on. Most likely it's your smartphone. But hey, if you're out there and you're into the wireless earbud scene now because headphones don't do it for you, they're too big and bulky, or you don't like the wireless earbuds that have the, the string around it and, and are attached and you don't like wired earbuds, you know what? You need to go ahead and look up Helm Audio Series 5.0 that's available now. It's a great option for you. And one more note on the Helm Audio. Like I said, it's a great experience. But when the biggest drawback is the case, having a hard time opening up right there. You heard the pop right there. That's telling you that it's going to be a great experience once you get it open and listen to the earbuds themselves. So I will have an entire written review for you this weekend. But I can tell you, it's going to get a 10 out of 10 for me right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. That's the Helm Audio Series 5.0 wireless earbuds. Get them today. I heartily recommend it. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis all right my friends we're back to close out the show this is the pop culture cosmos if you need a listing from all of us here at pop culture cosmos you can catch our listings today because we're being played all around the world seven days a week on radio you can find out a listing of our stations today at pop culture cosmos on facebook where you'll see a listing of many of our over 30 different podcast options as well josh 
I know you got a great thing going on with Congratulations, You Suck, the book that's selling around the world, getting rave reviews around the world, five stars every time I see you posting it up there. And, if, you know, they're not all from you, so that's a good thing right there for you. I also want to hear from you, man. Exactly how can people get their hands on this awesome book, Congratulations, You Suck? Uh, you can pick it up on Amazon right now. There are eight copies left. It's also on barnesandnoble.com. It's up on Powell's if you're in the Portland area. I think you, they have a website, too, you can order off of, so you can get it from both the store and the website. And I think it's available from a couple of secondhand booksellers as well. So pick it up today. Amazon's the best place to get it. It's $20. You can leave a review, too, which I would greatly appreciate. And anyone who has bought the book thus far, uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. That's again, congratulations, you suck. You can buy it today at barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, the Nook, the Kindle, and also you can go into your Barnes and Noble and ask specifically, hey, I want you to go ahead and send a copy to the store of Congratulations, You Suck, because I'm going to buy it, the latest book from my good friend right here, Josh Peterson. Jamie, I know you've got a lot of stuff that you've been dealing with when it concerns streaming and all the streaming stuff that you're doing out there because I see the posts. I try to share the posts. Facebook blocks me when I try to share the posts. So I want to hear from you, man. How can people follow you on what's going on with all the stuff that you're doing when it concerns your streaming on YouTube and all the other great outlets that you're on? Well, Gerald, you said it best. Follow Game Source on Facebook. Follow Pop Culture Cosmos. I tend to try and put everything I can there so that everybody that you know follows everybody knows what's going on. I'm also on Twitch, obviously, twitch.tv, Degenerate2018. Right now, I've just been trying to revive and revamp and get Game Sources YouTube back up going, having a lot of content going on it, so I've been streaming on there as much as I can. So obviously, you guys can catch me over there as well. More so there right now than anywhere else. That's Game Source on YouTube. You got to catch him today. Game Source on YouTube. Well, guys, before we head on out, two last topics left to talk about, and that is this. There was a, I'm not going to say it's again, but it's a long trailer. There's an eight-minute trailer, the launch trailer for Hideo Kojima's Death Stranding, the latest game from the creator of the Metal Gear series. And I'll tell you what, it's a doozy, my friends. It got a little bit of clarity, I guess as best you can say clarity when it concerns a Kojima game, on what the plot may be about, although I still couldn't quite get it. But tell you what, after eight minutes, it does have a brilliance in and of itself. If you're a film school student, don't look at this trailer because it's not going to be cut in the way that you think it's supposed to be cut. It's done totally Kojima style, and it works for him. It may not work for everybody else. So I want to ask you guys, style aside, Josh, I want to ask you real quick. You had a chance to see it, and Death Stranding is coming out in about a week. Are you now really into getting Death Stranding? You know, I after watching this trailer, I actually do kind of want to play it because it looks – you know, I know we've seen a lot of trailers. We've seen really long trailers. We haven't really seen much about the game, right? We've talked about how – it's a lot, but it's still so little. But after watching this one, I, I feel like these characters, even just watching the trailer, these characters have a whole lot of depth to them. There seems to be a lot of layers to like Norman Reedus's character, Mad Mickelson's character, like uh, even Guillermo del Toro's character. And there, there seems to be a lot of layers to these characters. And that's something 
we haven't seen the trailers. We've just seen them showing off like, oh, so-and-so is in this game. Also, uh, this person in this game, that person in this game. We haven't really seen a lot about what the story is. So now we kind of know a little bit, you know, that scene with Mads Mikkelsen. He's laying on the hospital floor and he's holding the gun in his hand. We kind of see something happened, something tragic happened that turned him into who he is. And then Norman Reedus, what is his background? You know, we see he has some kind of love interest and he's talking, uh, he has some kind of affiliation to America and whatever happened there. Just by that one trailer, they've given this game a lot more depth than any of the other trailers have. And I'm kind of fascinated by this whole idea of, you know, that veil between life and death being torn open. I still don't know what they're fighting for, what the purpose of it is. But what I see now is that it's a lot more than just a walking simulator. So that's what I was fearing when I saw all the original trailers. So that being said, with that seven minute trailer, I'm a lot more interested in the game than I was before. And, you know, to, to get back to your comment about the editing in the trailer, it's all over the place. It's completely jumbled. I love the music. I, you know, like I said, I love the depth that the characters have been given, but also like the narration is all over the place. Nothing seems to be in any coherent order. It's just people talking. So that's like the one weakness that I found in the trailer. But other than that, like I do have more interest in playing it now. I have a whole list of games that I want to play. So I'm trying to decide, you know, where do I want to squeeze this game in? Because I definitely do want to play it. Let me ask you this, Jamie. Got a chance to see the trailer. Of course, it has whales. Got to have whales when it concerns Kojima. And it also has, as we've seen before, Lindsay Wagner, a.k.a. the bionic woman for all those people that you know lived through the 70s and watched that. But, you know, it has her playing the president, if I'm not mistaken. So, or at least, you know, I don't think it's her voice, but I think, you know, but it is her image of when she was younger. So I ask you, my friend, Hideo Kojima is just been given carte blanche to do whatever the bleep he wants in this game. And it looks like it. After eight minutes, it definitely looks like it. So I want to hear your thoughts. Has it now piqued your interest when it concerns Death Stranding? Absolutely, because just like Josh said, now I have more depth into these characters. Now I realize that a lot of these characters that I may have seen before in little videos or snippets actually are a little more important to whatever's going on because again i don't think i fully get what's going on but i get a little bit what's going on and i think that's the point that's why the direction was probably all over the place in that trailer is because it still leaves you at the end of the day going well wait why does that that way and this is that way oh no i gotta get the game to figure out why this is that it's genius it is my friend i'm actually intrigued it absolutely makes no sense to me but it's the kind of no sense that I actually want to go ahead and experience. So hopefully after playing 30 to 40 hours that it will make sense. But we'll have to wait and see because it does come out on the 8th of November. That is Death Stranding. Could this be Hideo Kojima's finest game ever? We'll have to wait and see on that one as well. I'm not sure because the stakes are pretty high when it concerns the Metal Gear series and all the great things that he's done in the video game industry. But Definitely, this is something that's got a lot of people talking. It's got a lot of interest out there. And I'll tell you what, it does have a lot of people out there thinking that, you know what, maybe I'll take the dive back into the world of Kojima one more time. What are your thoughts out there on Death Stranding? It's truly a whacked out game from what we're seeing so far. The launch trailer that was released this week makes more sense. 
and it doesn't make more sense. If you can make sense out of it, please let us know. And also as well, are you going to get the game? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. It's been a truly great episode, but there's one last thing to talk about, and that's a reunion in the music world. Because My Chemical Romance, after six years, is coming back for one show. And that's going to be on December 20th at the Shrine Expo Hall. You guys seem very, very interested in My Chemical Romance reuniting for one brief time. Is this something you're going to try and go out of your way to see as far as maybe from a visual standpoint? Because there's going to be some way that they're going to hopefully document this to a larger audience, right? I actually heard the news on the radio about an hour before we went on. I was excited. I am actually wondering, just like you, hopefully there's some kind of live stream, maybe a you know 4K Blu-ray documentary of it, something. But who knows? I, I'll ask you both a question since you, you guys both ask questions, mostly Gerald. I have one. Is this another one of like the Rolling Stones and everybody else who have said one last time, but it's really like, a thousand last times? I hope so. I mean, no, I hope that it's one of those times where they keep making music again, because as a fan of My Chemical Romance myself, not a fan of Danger Days, I thought that album was awful, but like everything they did before that, like I was a fan back when, you know, You Brought Me Your Love, I Brought You My Bullets came out. Like that was a, a great album to me, but I hope so. I'd love to see them keep making music. And especially since, Gerard Way is now in a place where he, he could work double time, you know, like he he's producing music, he's writing shows, he's writing comic books. He could do kind of like what Coheed and Cambria does by making music and then or, you know, making his comic books and then making music that coincides with what he's written. Like this would be a perfect time for that. And plus, like people love My Chemical Romance. So it's kind of a great way to get people into pop culture, like all these fans, all these people that love this band. They could listen to the music and then find out, oh, hey, it's attached to this, this, and this. And that could get them interested in comic books, movies, books, shows, whatever it is. You name it. Like, this is a huge opportunity for them to get people invested in things that people wouldn't otherwise be invested in. Like, My Chemical Romance is one of those rare bands that stretches across generations. So you don't mind them being this decade's version of Cher? I mean, as far as I know, they haven't all had like a lot of plastic surgery, so I'm kind of okay with it. I'm talking about doing the reunion thing for an extended, saying it's their last time and then not being its last time. No, because it's different. They're not going to Las Vegas and, you know, having taking a residency there. No offense to you guys, but they are actually like. Oh, all taken, all taken. (laughs) The plan, from what I understand, is that they're going to do this show and then there's a possibility that new music might be in the works. Because they're one of those bands that are they're eternal in a way because anytime they disappear for a while, people are always going to be asking, when is new My Chemical Romance stuff coming out? When is new My Chemical Romance stuff coming out? And unlike Rage Against the Machine, whose members are spread all across all these different bands, they're not. You know, they're they're dudes, they still hang out, their kids play together. Like they're in this rare spot where they can continue to make music, but they can do it on a smaller scale because I know that's why they broke up the first time was because it was just they became too big and they didn't like how they had to keep sustaining that. So they're in a good place right now where they can do things on a smaller scale and in their own time because they're each doing their own thing right now that is successful in its own right. What do you think out there, everyone, when it concerns My Chemical Romance and they're reuniting for at least 
the very least, a one-time performance in Los Angeles. Do you think it'll lead to something more? Are you excited already that you're going to have My Chemical Romance coming back together for at least one more time? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. You know, and the Gallagher Brothers, a.k.a. Oasis, they can't even get together for a beer. But that's another podcast altogether. So for Jamie Monroy and Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Hey all, this is Drew Leiter from the Earth Station DCU Podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Cletus and I are back. Yes, we uh, got one of the shuttlecrafts working that got marooned on a planet called Mogo. No, not the Green Lantern planet, but that's a story for another time. We're here to tell you we're back. We're back to talk about DC News. We're here to talk about comics. And of course, we're here to talk about DC television shows. We're very excited about talking Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover coming up. So make sure you tune in to listen to us. We're right here on the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.